between the carpool theology. Join Alex, Shauna, and Grace, that's me, as we hit the road to discover who we are in light of who God is. Along the way, we'll be joined by friends, authors, and community leaders to discuss the intersection of faith and action and have a ton of fun while doing it. So grab a coffee, jump in the car with us, and let's roll. California has had approximately 2,000 years of rain, mm-hmm. but <sighs> praise God. Blue skies I'm very today. curious to see, like, what I was just thinking about this the other day about, like, you know, we were in such a severe drought for so long, and like now he's bought this abundance of rain, and I'm just so I can't wait to see like what he does with that. Like, obviously, mm. a lot of farmers are really struggling right now through that. But I've seen a really like some really great perspective of them just being like, obviously he's he has plans and he's gonna do good things. Like, so it just it's so it's so fun to like to watch and just to see how the responses of these faithful farmers. I don't know. Sorry, I went on yeah. a tangent. No, but, I feel like there's a sermon in there for sure. But yeah, <laughs> I mean it's really hard right now, and you can't necessarily see what's gonna happen. But you know, obviously rain is a good thing. Oh, rain obviously. <laughs> Yes. Abundance, not I was uh, watching uh, our great national parks with Barack Obama last night on Netflix, and yeah. he was talking about California and how like we are a drought-ridden state. Yeah. And in my mind, I was like, not anymore, sucka. We are right. downright spongy right now. <laughs> downright. Downright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, really, before we dive into our convo today, I thought it'd be fun to share well, a little bit about what happened in my world last night in, um, before bedtime. Yeah. My mom moment was that I, first off, I've just been like crazy busy, like juggling all of the things. And I've been really struggling to like get good pockets of time, like with my kids. And so last night before bed, we have life group, like after they go to sleep, like at eight. Mm -hmm. And so like, 16, 17 young adults descend upon my house, but, uh, before, before that I like got to go through bedtime and all those things. So often on Thursday nights, I feel like the push to like, just get them to bed. Um, but last night I was like, no, you know what? We haven't hung out. We're going to hang for a little bit. And so we of course had a dance party to none other than the queen Taylor Swift, which you actually are among the few chosen that have I do have tickets. I don't ah! want to brag here on the internet, but that is an accurate Dude, fact. you are in such the minority. I feel like you have to brag. I, <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be so... I was deeply blessed. My shout out to my fam bought mm-hmm. me tickets. I'm so excited for my 30th birthday. I just... I cannot wait. I'm still working on my adoption papers. Yeah. You're, yeah. To the fam. Yeah. Everyone can be adopted. Um, so, yes. We had a little dance party last night, and I was telling the girls earlier literally like with each new like move and dance they would put on a different costume so it was like sunny started with her unicorn wings then she went to her pirate hat but like it was mid-song like adding more pieces as we dance just like taylor herself yeah just like literally as many costume changes as taylor swift is having in her current eras tour that's how many costume changes were happening last night in the birdhouse 
it was so much fun and just silly Aww. and my girls were they had like a craft table in the room and they were standing up on top of their craft dancing table. on table like just going for it it was so much fun so yeah Aww, that was my little, little mom moment okay you have to you went into a detail about sunday that you need to you need to serve up oh yes 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 for my Taylor's for my taylor fans and the song be jeweled when she's like so put me in the basement because I want the penthouse of your heart. And so each time she'd say your heart, Sunny would like point at me, like be really intense. And then she'd like at her, at her, she'd like point at her chest, like your heart. Just the, the, the amount of tensity in that tiny little body, just tiny little body. It really, it really gets to me. So Alex knows a little bit about that with her, oh, her yeah. Hayden. So the intensity <laughs> that can be held in one person's intensity. body. Yeah. So speaking <laughs> of intensity, we're fan here at Carpool Theology. We're fans of the Enneagram. <laughs> Say for those of you who just cringed up a little bit or started sweating a little bit, it is not the gospel. It is not the Bible. It is a helpful tool. <laughs> My friend Grace here is an Enneagram eight, marked by intensity. Grace, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Great. <laughs> just like yeah. Okay. And it is one of my favorite things about you. Same. Because I'm actually not a. I'm intense in other ways. Yeah. And my friends that are eights like push me out of my internal intensities and they're like, do something. <laughs> yes. So I love it. Feel yeah. firm. Yes. What a blessing. Well, to me. and uh, let's be, yeah, I was going to say, Alex is also an eight. So within yeah. our dynamic, <laughs> and Shauna, our dear sweet Shauna, is a four. <laughs> it's a four. I'm just like, let's just. Let's just that. smooth the peanut. And I'm always like, let's go 10,000 league deep. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And Alex and I are over here like, pull it together. You know, <laughs> pop off. Let's Come go. On. We got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> we have her like, have her like grab her by the waist and the saddle. Just like. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. yeah. You know it's a mean? fun dynamic we've got. Yes. But anyway, I say all that because you went go-kart racing yesterday oh. with your staff, right? <laughs> with my work staff Tell us we went go-kart racing as like a staff fun event and a staff fun event yeah fun event we go go-kart racing and i yeah i needed to win really is really what happened i am crying <laughs> Bro. and i just oh want to preface with the fact i did not win oh, but i won it's hard oh, Those my boss of course <gasps> but Literally, yes, they are. They're hard to to steer. The steering is not. Yes, yes, not it. Yes, and I, I woke up this morning, you guys, and I'm so sore. From my my chest up, I literally like put my hands up in the air, and I can't. My back hurts. Like I was I so tense. I told my husband, oh my I was gosh. like, Matt, I'm really sore this morning, and he couldn't have been more disappointed in me. <laughs> I can't even imagine you in the go-kart like this, like, like Mario Kart style, hundred percent clenched. Yes. 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 Just clenched the whole yes. time. My coworker who didn't want to do it because we are not the same. She was watching and she was like, wow, there's a lot of intense people on our staff. <laughs> and I was like me. And she just smiled at me. Maybe. I love it. <laughs> So yeah, that's a little peek in the oh my into my world. So all that to say, I'm sore this morning, uh, <laughs> but not because I worked out, because I went go kart racing. So peace oh and blessings. I really love to see it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, well guys, 
excited about this episode and it's a um, little starter into our new series that we're going to be talking about is um, peacemaking and yeah I think we're really really excited and I think how we want to kick this off is by um, talking about a recent pilgrimage you two um, embarked on most important question I actually have about this Mm. Like, did you pack bonnets? Mm. Can you? Did did we pack bonnets? Yeah. Did we churn butter? Did you? Yeah. Did you Traveling arrive a upon a wagon, or did we fly? I'm curious. Okay. Yes, it is a very unique word. To, it, it is. is. Yes. It is. Yeah. I think of like Eastern, like like an Israeli pilgrimage, you know, to like the motherland. Wow. Is really what I think of when I think of pilgrimage. It's not at all what happened. Can yeah. you describe a pilgrimage to us? I feel like you're the gal for that, Gracie. Okay. Yeah. I, we talked about it at length actually on our trip, but I think I also thought of Pilgrim's Progress when I would always say the pilgrimage. Like literally like Laura Ingalls and her family, like across the West, um, moving, uh, in their covered wagon. And so, um, it was really cool to get a deeper dive into what that meant for our group. Um, I think there was about how many of us, like 10, nine or 10 of us that went. Yeah. yeah. And, um, really what it was, a pilgrimage is, a, an intentional journey to discover either something about our past or something about yourself or both. Um, and so, there's all kinds of historical pilgrimages you can take all over the world. Um, and people often say like, they're super, they're transformative. I, I change as I partake in, um, a journey that many others before me have, have taken. Would you add anything to that? No, I think yeah. that, I mean, that feels like a very official definition and very suitable for like what we did. Yeah, totally. So we traveled to Mississippi to Jackson so we flew to Jackson and then from Jackson we got in a bus and we traveled to Birmingham um, Alabama and to what other parts of Alabama were we um, in we were in Montgomery, Montgomery. Alabama yeah Montgomery Alabama and so oh. we between those three cities did a lot of traveling um, and just to like also put that in perspective, um, that was the the route and journey of the Freedom Riders too during the '60s. Um, people that were um, driving on buses, um, trying to fight for their civil rights. And so, yeah, what we did was a civil rights pilgrimage. Yeah, and even before that, I think to like double click on the word pilgrimage to really like experience things about your history and about yourself. Um, in one week, you know, because it is a limited time. There was a lot of work on the front end that we did to kind of prepare our hearts and to get, because there's so much history written about that period of, of, of time in America that you could spend your whole lifetime and still not know everything. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was really important to, like, we really honed in on, like, the main part of that trip, I think, was, like, Dr. Perkins and his life and work in and around Jackson, Mississippi, um, was really like the, the head of that. And then sort of the other thing sort of like, we saw how it was all connected to like the bigger civil rights activism in, in America and during the sixties and even into present day mm -hmm. with, um, 
the Equal Justice Initiative. Why, can you tell our listeners, why did you guys decide to go on this pilgrimage? What was your motivation there and, and what, um, yeah, why'd you guys want to go? Mm. Yeah, it, it's funny thinking back on that now, like me pre that trip, thinking yeah. of why I wanted to go. Um, I'm not new to the race conversation per se, um, started that personal journey for me and like really unpacking like my space and place and, uh, the race conversation in America in like 2016. And so like four years, five years of me, like doing a lot. I'm like, I'm a research fanatic. I love information. It, it calms me down. <laughs> if I know what's going on, I'm like, okay, I can kind of figure this out. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I didn't feel new to the conversation. Um, but so going on the trip was kind of for me, like, I want to put like, make it technicolor, like this thing that I knew in black and white and like actually see it, experience it, go to those places that I'd read and heard about. Um, honestly, no like personal transformation motive to be fair. I was very like excited to see the things be in the places and that's kind of where it like stopped and ended for me was like, I want to learn more, um, and see it up close. So yeah, I think for me during, like I grew up in Cincinnati area, Northern Kentucky. So <clears throat> the race conversation was not new to me. Like the fact that there are like oppressive systems in America is like not news. Like that's not breaking news. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with like, people of color um like i can remember going like coming home from walking home from elementary school in our little town and the kkk was in like full garb handing out flyers in front of the library and so like it was very present when i was growing up and um so i think i just wanted to know like what what don't i know currently Cause it's easy for me to say, or it was easy for me to say like, oh, well that was there and then hmm. it's not here and now. And, but then like the, the news in 2020, you know, and just all of the, gosh, all the body cam and all of the like dead bodies mm. for lack of a better term. Like, I know that's really strong, but like just George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and all of our, I mean, yeah, all of the others, you know, it was like, there's got to be something else going on here. And I want to know what I don't know. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, everybody that, um, was on staff with me that had gone the year before was just like, this is such a heavy trip. Um, you know, it's just so, it's just so hard. So it was kind of like, I was expecting to just mm. be like decimated emotionally. Um, <laughs> And I'm going to get into like whether or not that actually happened for me because it, it did, but in different ways than I expected it to. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably because I am Enneagram 4. Like, I, I'm pretty comfortable with dark emotions. Yeah. Uh, like, they don't obliterate me. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of why I wanted to go. And, and it's just like, like, I wanted to like support like what they're doing at the Perkins Foundation. Yeah. You know, and Dr. Perkins is 
getting on in years and when we heard him he mentioned several times he's like i'm getting ready to meet the, meet the lord you guys you got to keep this going here for me because yeah. i'm out and for those of those of our friends who don't know who that is john perkins is a longtime civil rights advocate he was beat in a prison in jackson mississippi just for being black he was tried in front of a jury with no conviction um and so with no charges with no charges yeah. yeah um and then beat in that prison and has dedicated the rest of his life to the community of jackson um creating opportunities and resources for those neighbors and so he is the founder of the christian community development association one of them he is like a legend uh, mm. in the christian world specifically like in civil rights and so um to meet him before he passed was an honor incredible yeah um, I heard you went on a date with him. <laughs> I did. Shauna went on a date. Shauna, so, tell us about this. <laughs> so we, so one of the days after we were, uh, we went to some of the, you start out going to these places that pertain specifically to Dr. Perkins' life and legacy. And um, we got to meet him for dinner because he's not doing um, speaking engagements necessarily anymore. Um, so, but he'll, he like came and had dinner with us and gosh, it was such a long table. There's so many people there. There's so many of us. Yeah. Um, so I just ended up sitting across from him cause like nobody else was really like taking the initiative. So I just like popped my little self in there. I love it. And he and I just had this, like, like he and I talked pretty much just the two of us. Yeah. The whole dinner. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, I felt a little bit selfish at one point, but I'm like, you know what? Nobody else is popping over here, so let's do it. And I just, like, asked that guy so many questions, and um, I think what I loved, I mean, he's just so, like, because his, like, question for me was, like, well, what stood out to you from Mm -hmm. today? And I thought, with all of your 92 years worth of, like, experience and people he's and he's met he's like met presidents and he's like hey mm-hmm. little white girl from california what'd you learn today mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so it was so generous mm-hmm. um and then i got to ask him like hey what is the thing other than like obviously your family because they have like uh eight kids yes somewhere around there yeah six that work for the institute and um, I said, what is the thing that you are in your vast legacy that you are most proud of, you think? And um, he, his answer was not surprising, but so ahead of his time. And um, they started Voice of Calvary Ministries, which started out as like working with schools and doing like Bible clubs mm. in like colored schools. And they would go into these underfunded schools and the teachers were like, yes, whatever you can do. And the administration was like, whatever you can do to help support our kids, let's do it. So they had like more leeway than most. And like, then those Bible club students would become Bible club mentors and so on and so forth. So they had this leadership model that they would go into schools and then they would like set up the the people that are local to the school mm-hmm. caring for the school that they are local to and cool. then they would like set it up 
like, okay, you guys have got this. We're still here to support you, but we're going to go over here now mm -hmm. and we're going to do the same thing. And so that was the thing that he was most proud of, which I think is so beautiful because mm -hmm. one, it just, it goes back to like that dignity mm -hmm. of like, you're in your community. You are the community. Mm -hmm. You know what you need. Mm -hmm. We know that you're under-resourced and you can't do it right now with what you have in your hands. So let's get stuff in your hands. But you are capable of this. Right. And well, I'm just, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and like, you are the, they're the valuable piece, not us coming in and right. fixing yes. everything. But like, you hold the key to, to your flourishing in your neighborhood. Mm. Yeah. Which was not an idea that was common at the time. Mm -hmm. Which honestly is not an idea that's common now. No. So who um, who'd you guys go with? I'm share that with our friends here. Yeah. So we went for it's called it uh, at the well. We call them exposure trips. Okay. Um, and this pilgrimage is sort of under that umbrella. So we went with um, leaders from our church, but are also leaders in our city. Mm. Um, and we went with. Uh, another friend who is a local pastor in town um so there were how many pastors on our trip oh gosh four, like three four, four? three or four yeah um <laughs> pastors of varying like four pastors of different things um and let's see maybe four people who weren't white <laughs> of like nine mm -hmm. so um so yeah we were kind of an eclectic bunch but like in a really good way like we're all um solid believers like solid in our faith and like really like okay like open-handed what would jesus have us do with the information we're about to receive you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome where where exactly did you guys go can you paint that picture for us really quick yeah so when we got there in jackson we spent the first day honestly like um learning terms like so that we are all on the same page about what we're talking about what do we mean when we say racism what do we mean when we say biased what do we mean when we um talk about um, activism even yeah um just so that everyone knew like okay this is what we're talking about when we say this word white yeah. privilege don't you words. think that is so missing too in like the yes. culture conversation? Yes, and I think that like what? honest the, the like like uh, common terms. Okay, yeah, She's yeah. Like you say woke in the wrong circle, and they're like, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yes. When that can mean right. eighteen different things. Right, right. It was just really helpful on our trip to be like, hey, when we say this word, this is what we're talking about. That's cool. Um, and honestly. To me, it was one of the more important conversations we had of just like, let's just get on the same page yeah. when we're talking. Um, that was really special. To it was me. a wise place to start. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think anyone who's thinking about having this conversation or if this is stirring up a conversation, please start there. Mm -hmm. If you open this with with your friends, even if you think you speak the same language, it don't it don't hurt to clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really that was really special and important to me. Because even though we are all coming from similar contexts, we're all coming from Fresno, the majority of us are coming from the same church. We've all, everyone comes with their own lens. Yeah. Right? Everyone has their own experience when it comes to race. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, that you grew up like the KKK were getting like pamphlets at your, yeah, you know, at your school. Like, I don't, I didn't have that experience. I grew up in Southern California and like me being racially ambiguous was like, 
kind of awesome. And then when I moved to Central Valley, it was like, oh, now I'm an anomaly. So everyone comes with their own with their own framework and bias, right? And so, yeah. yeah, it was really important to me that we did that. And so, yeah, that's how we started. So honestly, yeah. the first half of our trip was a lot of education. Like, mm-hmm. what are we talking about when we talk about the children's movement? Um, and everyone has seen like those iconic photos of the civil rights movement, like of um, like a German shepherd dog, like like going to mall somebody like out on the street or like kids getting sprayed by hoses. Like, um, it was kids that one day decided we're not going to school today. Like we're going to go and protest for our rights, Mm -hmm. um, out on the streets of Birmingham. And so we spent a lot of time. We watched a documentary called eyes on the prize. Um, so good. Yeah. We had a great conversation with a couple, a white couple, who has been living for 40 years in Jackson, Mississippi. They are the only white people at their church. They're the one of the only white people in their neighborhoods and they love Jesus. And they have committed to like not being there like for the sake of being saviors at all, mm-hmm. but being there to understand like Jesus has called us into reconcile with one another. Mm-hmm. And so what would it look like if my whole life switched and changed and I became a learner and not like the norm the like the societal norm yeah and uh Phil Phil and Marsha yeah are their names and they're in probably what their 70s yeah no yeah and they're still fighting this fight and and they love Jackson Mm -hmm. like they love it that is their home Mm -hmm. and they're still fighting systemic oppressive systems yeah you know I think Marsha right now works at a bank helping people get loans, mm-hmm. helping people get their paperwork in order mm-hmm. so that they can get these loans that are available to them, mm-hmm. but inaccessible to them. Yeah. Yeah. Homeownership. <clears throat> things and, yeah. Yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. I think what really struck me about those first couple days was that we were hearing from people that had been the first people to integrate their yes. schools, their colleges. Mm-hmm. They were the first people to like kind of break out of, um, segregation mm-hmm. and had to endure all that came with that. Um, and, and too, like what struck, what stuck out to me too, was like, we were listening to these two, their professors now, I think both doctors mm-hmm. and, um, Dolphus and Rosie, mm-hmm. and they went to a college here in Southern California and like, they were the only black people there. Mm-hmm. Like Dolphus was the only black man at this college and he told this story. I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know if he told this to you, but he um, was at college and he, at a Christian college and he heard of Dr. King's assassination. And he like, he tells a story of running to his dorm room and like trying to find a radio just to get more information on this. Like what's happened, what's going on? How does this go down? At the same time, hearing his friends in the hallways that he was in class with in a, in a Christian university saying like, Oh, we finally got him. Ugh. They finally got him. Mm-hmm. And he's just in his room. His hero. Yeah. Sobbing, trying to figure out the details of what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and even like hearing him talk about that is like, it's so sad. And I just think about how isolating that must have felt. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to not carry that 
feeling of isolation because of what it might mean for him socially long term. Yeah. You know, like yeah. any feelings he had in that room, mm -hmm. he had to leave there mm -hmm. yeah. because there's no one else that he knew of anyway that felt like that to that depth. Yeah. And he's he's still he's like he's it wasn't that long ago like he's telling us about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We got to go to um, the Mississippi Museum, the Civil Rights Museum. I think something that stuck out to me there was just um, we learned about Medgar Evers, which was kind of like my biggest takeaway from that mm. place, mm. Um, which he was local to Jackson. He was working for the NAACP um, and was like their secretary. So he took all the notes from the meetings um, as they're fighting for rights in that town. And he pulled, we got to visit his house where he pulled into his driveway after a meeting one night and was shot in the back um, as he got out of his driveway and died in his driveway with his family, his babies and his wife inside the house. And, um, just the pure, like, um, yeah, what am I trying to say? Like the violation of yes. his, of his space and his privacy and his life because he was fighting for the people in his town to ha not be segregated because of Jim Crow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And to have, to be able to, cause that was one of the things like we learned that like they're fighting not just for jobs because they had jobs, mm -hmm. but they had the worst jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think it's really easy when we tell these stories or like you hear about, um, hate, honestly, um, or acts of terrorism because of race, it's easy to isolate that as like one, um, moment of hate. Um, and I think something that really struck me through the trip, um, there are so many um, acts of terrorism against people of color in this country um, that there is um, hate. It, the bigger issue is hate overall. Like we're taught it. We're yeah. taught to be separate. We're mm. taught from a very like passed down generation, generation to generation to not into, to not be together, <laughs> to not, in, that you're other than me, you're less than me, mm. um, to the point that it would, it would push us to evil and to hatred and to murder and to deep, deep anger. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I think we just, sometimes when we have these conversations, it can just be like a, well, that's a one-off, right? Like one, mm. one, one guy shot mm. in his driveway, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, no, that's one story of many, right. um, from that time in hundreds of years before that and, and after, and after <laughs> you know? it has continued. Yeah. Yeah. See, I took something different and that's, that's, and I think it's, I think it's interesting because I tend to think more abstract. Mm -hmm. So I think after a few days of like going to these museums and we'll touch on the other places we went to because they're stunning. Um, but the thing that I took away from it is like, like when you study Ephesians, you, like Paul talks a lot about like the powers and principalities at work, and you know we regard no one according to the flesh. We yeah. like um, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against mm -hmm. powers and principalities. And so the whole time, like that's going through my brain, and mm -hmm. because I'm seeing this like raw evil, mm -hmm. 
and and it's throughout history like mm. it happened in California with like the internment camps it happens it happens all the time and I was just like man this is not like I felt like the enemy wants us to think it's about color or ethnicity but it's really about power and about fear of not having that power mm -hmm. and if we can have power over another group of people then that power and if the enemy can trick us into thinking that oh you're actually different because of the color of your skin mm -hmm. or because of where you live mm -hmm. then not only can i distract you over here but i can kill you here yeah and i win mm -hmm. yeah and then i can i can make these people just fight for i mean it's just it just feels like so confusing and like he's just laughing mm -hmm. That's like what I took away from it, that we can say, it, and it is about ethnicity, please do not mishear me. Like we have made much of that. Mm -hmm. But I think underneath that yeah. is power. Yeah, because you see it in like, you know, South Africa, you yeah. see it in like genocides and like yeah. ethnic cleansings. You see it all over the place, but yeah. it's the same spirit at work. Right, yeah, agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I deeply agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the thing that made me see that too was like these miraculous acts that are all, they can only be described as like Holy Spirit acts. Like for the, for Dr. King and John Lewis and John Perkins and Philip and Marsha, for all of those people to not behave in a violent way, to not react, even just like the kids in the picture with like the dog coming at their midsection, like his posture was open. Mm when our bodies say mm -hmm. close in mm -hmm. and I was like Lord your spirit was at work in all of these ways yeah. mm. <clears throat> and how is it still at work in ways that we don't even see yeah. I don't know I feel like that was like like as much as evil was at work I saw like the spirit at work mm -hmm. yeah I think yeah going back to the museum they had like glimmers of hope Yes. spread throughout the museum of stories of people that were fighting for justice um, and were doing so in a way that was like and it's still in the midst of all of this hard and sad and broken there were people that were fighting up against the darkness every step of the way mm. um, yeah it's amazing I yeah it was yeah. it was incredible and even times when we're not taught it like some of the reading that they had us do prior to the trip was about like uh during times of enslavement for african americans when and like they talk about acts of resistance and when i was growing up i was taught like oh well they didn't resist at all mm. um but like they talked about like no 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 like establishing families was an act of resistance mm. um playing music and singing was an act of resistance gathering in the woods at at night Having gathering joy. on points <laughs> yeah yeah ridiculous all acts of resistance and when you see it through that lens yeah you see the powers the powers yeah. thing there yeah for and sure and just like wow like what a what beauty the african-american community has to not only have like survived this horrific part of our history but to have this like tapestry of culture mm -hmm. to come out of it mm -hmm. and I'm like wow lord that is that's stunning yeah. like your people are stunning
experience, like you guys sharing a little bit more into um, what you guys have seen and learned, um, how that will kick off our next series. And we are really excited to go into um, just talking about peacemaking and um, what that means to a lot of different people and what they've learned um, in their journey of you know, potentially I think we're going to get some people in the car that went with you guys, um, but some other people who are um, living this out and actively still um, pursuing this um, value um, and this this calling on our lives from Christ um, in different spaces, right? In churches, in um, their businesses, in their lives at home with their children. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited. I think it's it's going to be a really sweet series and I'm, I'm excited that you guys got to kick it off and share your experience of just, um, how your pilgrimage, um, kind of started, um, not changing the lens, like, not like, I don't know, I guess I could say it probably altered your lens. It sounds like it's mm-hmm. altered your lens of, of peacemaking. I, I, I would think it would be a miss to say it probably didn't, but, um, you guys both already were committed to that prior, but I think it just kind of adds on to, um, your commitment and your, um, I don't know, your desire to pursue that. So, yeah, well, I think for me, it just made it like really personal. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and honestly, like I hadn't done a ton of like personal work on my own, like heritage and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it like began that conversation for like my own personal inner work conversation for me of like, um, what is mine to do? Um, Mm -hmm. like what is mine to know for my own personal race and heritage and my ethnicity and the stories that I carry. And then also like as a a believer, what is mine to do? What is mine to carry? What does it mean? It's one thing to go a place and get a lot of information (laughs) and see a lot of things and feel like you're drinking through a fire hose, honestly, of all of the different things that we saw and did and experienced. And you could totally walk away from there being emotionally numb. I think in a lot of ways, the conversations that we had as a group fired me up and made me really hopeful for like the big C church that um, we do have a lot of work to do when it comes to this area. Absolutely. There's things that we need to apologize for and take responsibility for and acknowledge. And um, I am so hopeful and grateful that um, we get to be a part of it and we get to do that work. It's hard work yeah. and it's messy because people are messy. And I think I walked away being like, um, yeah, like we have, we have more to do and peacemaking and we'll touch on this, on this series is a constant moving in towards other people, not away from them. And it might be at the cost of my comfortability. Generally it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say might be is, I mean, it's generally speaking an uncomfortable process. Yes. Yeah. But that's Uh, what our Jesus did. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's what he did when he was here mm-hmm. during like his brief ministry. Like, yeah, you know, like, and we went to so many other places that like we, I'm sure we'll come up in like subsequent episodes, but yeah, to walk across the Edmund Pettus bridge in, in Selma, incredible. Mm-hmm. 
the um, Legacy Museum, incredible. Yeah. Life-changing. Yeah. <clears throat> and to do that with people from the Perkins Institute that have done it several times. And also we got to do it with a couple of guys who work there who are African-American, lived in Jackson their whole lives, and have never been to these places. And we got to experience it alongside them and mm -hmm. experience the grace and mercy. Um, it was just so good. Mm. It was, yeah. It was really rich. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's um, racism was discipled into the church. Yes. And so we have to do the yes. very, very hard work now of discipling it out. Yes. And it is often, I think, one of the bigger takeaways for me was that in places like the South, it's pretty up in your face. <laughs> you can walk to a place and see something and go, this is where slaves were sold for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's right in your face. Where in places like where we live, over here on the West Coast, it's not that way. Yeah. It's often very subtle if you don't have eyes for it, if right. you haven't been trained to see it. And so, so therefore, when you hear racism has been discipled into the church and must be discipled out, mm -hmm. if your first reaction is not here, sink a little deeper. Yeah. And instead of saying not here, say, what could I be missing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where what, are my Lord, blind show spots? me what I don't see. <laughs> hey, friends that are a different color than me. What, what don't I see? And be ready to hear it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because they're going to want to give you a version that will be easy for you to hear and say, no, 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 no. Give me the un unfiltered version. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that takes that takes intentionality. That takes a prepared heart. Mm -hmm. That takes... And proximity. You need to be close yes. in with other people that don't look, act, talk, think like you. Yeah. That Even was a big challenge for me. Like you. That was something I left there with of like, my circles are not going to diversify themselves. I have to be intentional about that. And if I'm not, then this is going to go just be something that I did. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, I'm excited to continue to have the conversation over the next couple episodes yeah. with different Me people. Too. And um, I know you guys, it's just going to keep on spilling out your hearts for this topic. Um, and so, yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited. Bye, everyone. See you next time. You've been listening to Carpal Theology with Alex, Shauna, and Grace. Thanks for joining us. We're really glad you're here. New episode every other Thursday on all your favorite platforms. See you next time.